Welcome to the Branches Podcast. Following the lead of Jesus, we seek to embrace people regardless of their background or their present ground in the hope they find holy ground. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about the reckless love of Jesus or our community of faith, please visit our website at branchesoc.com. Good morning from the Gospel of John. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you were looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Good morning. Deep breath. Oh, it's good to be here with you guys. Been looking forward to this. Uh, John 6, 25 through 33. Actually, 35. I told Greg to read a little bit further. Uh, the work of God. Uh, here's the outline so you guys know where we're headed. Scooby-Doo. Work memes. Sweat. A meeting in the carriage house. Work Wells and winning souls, quick, take all these down or take a picture. Rockies into the Pacific. Believe God doesn't play your game and something Paul said. That's where we're headed. I promise it should only take three or four hours to get through all that. Uh, Boog asked me to share on some of these uh, verses. This series we've been in is called My Verse. And verses that uh, would be great to have memorized written on your heart. Um, I've been loving getting those little cards. I have them in my wallet and I get to pull them out and kind of read through them and continue to remind myself that this is information I want in my head. Um, it's a great practice because there are so many things in my mind and I imagine in your minds too that have no business being in there. You know, why do I know that? Why do I have that memorized? And for me, the Scooby-Doo theme song is one of those things. Uh, it is perfectly intact in my memory. Like, I could, I'm not going, but I could. No, 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 no. <laughs> right? It's intact. It's like, what is that doing there? You spend enough mornings listening to that thing. But you could, I could have wisdom of the Proverbs in there. I could have the poetry of the Psalms. I could have the stories and parables of Jesus in there. 
stuff that might actually mold me and shape me, words that I might be able to offer someone uh, in, a, in a time of need or crisis, something, you know, words that might actually guide me through my own life. And there's those situations where you're just searching for the right words and all you can think of is, I have that Scooby-Doo theme song, but I don't know how that's going to help, uh, which it doesn't. But this week, we're, we're talking about work, and uh, when I say the word work, you think about a lot of different things, I imagine, but probably the thing that you do on a daily basis to earn money. Uh, but I plugged the word work into the Google machine, and this is what I got back. Um, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a lot of us, like tonight, right? <laughs> or tomorrow morning. Uh, I don't want to go back to work. Um, Monday nights after every break may take, after we were done playing solitaire, there's all these sorts of feelings that we have like this. Or this next one, uh, things I hate about work, waking up, humans working. Uh, <laughs> that one just speaks for itself. Uh, here's another one I, I thought was interesting. Back to work after vacation with toddler. Uh, <laughs> you dads know what I'm talking about. Right? It's like, oh, thank God I get to go to work today. <laughs> you know, it's like, woohoo! You know? <laughs> if you don't know, someday you'll know. Uh, it feels like vacation because raising kids is hard work. And that one doesn't stop. You don't get like breaks or time off, right, moms? You know this. Or dads that are stay at home, you know this. So, last one. Uh, my job is rewarding, satisfying, slowly crushing my soul. Um, <laughs> This one struck me because I was, as we were doing a goodbye lunch for one of my coworkers, and this unfortunately was at a church, she said, you know, I just realized I just had to let my soul die, and then I could finally do the work that I needed to do. And I was like, oh, oh, wow, this is not good. I just got a job here. You know. The point is we have a lot of things feelings about work, they're not always positive. Uh, in Genesis, this next slide here, 3.19, it says, by the sweat of your face shall you eat bread. Uh, this was part of like the curse that was placed upon us, that our work would be done with sweat, with toil, with suffering. It's not something that generally we were to find easy. Now that the verse for memory this week, uh, I I think you have it. Do you guys have it? John 6. Is it 29 or 28 and 29? 29. Now, it has a personal history for me. Uh, and I think I've told you this story, but I'm going to tell it to you again just so we're on the same page of there was a time when you didn't know John 6, 29, right? And you didn't have it on a little card right in front of you. Well, that was me growing up in the church for my whole life. And I had li was living in D.C. with a bunch of guys my age. And my friend says, I want you to meet my friend Doug. He's 72, and he works with leaders around the world teaching them about Jesus. And I think it'd be great if you went and talked to him about Jesus. And I didn't question my friend. I said, all right, I'll go meet with Doug. So we go meet, and this is my meeting in the carriage house. In Virginia, I was living in D.C. at the time. In Virginia, they have houses that are next to your house where you store the carriages, right? Back in the old days. We don't really have a ton of those out here these days, but they had a carriage house. And I met with Doug in the carriage house. We sat in these nice plush armchairs, and uh, he says, brother, it's great to meet you. 
and this is what he sounds like in my head. And <laughs> he really kind of sounds like that. But he says, brother, it's great to meet you. Your friend here tells me you've been, uh, you've been following Jesus. Uh, I said, yeah, that's right. He says, well, uh, when did you first start following Jesus? And I said, well, I was living uh, in Amstelveen, just outside of Amsterdam in the Netherlands. My dad was working for Billy Graham at the time, and my mom asked me if I wanted to accept Jesus into my heart. And so we knelt down be beside our green couch, and I prayed to receive Jesus. And so that's when it happened. I asked him to come into my heart, and he says, that's just tremendous. He says, how old, how, how old are you now? I said, 24. He says, Wow. You've been following Jesus for 19 years. I said, yeah, I have. He's like, you get to know a lot about a guy following him around for 19 years, don't you? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> you see where this is going. Mind if I ask you a few questions? Sure. Sure. Go ahead. Do you know what Jesus said the work of God is? And you all have the card there. I didn't have the card. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where you know he's looking for like a specific answer. I didn't have that specific answer, and I'm kind of like... So I gave him my good Christian answer and started reciting the Scooby-Doo theme song. <laughs> that was in there intact. No, I, I said... I think it's something like we're to make disciples of all nations, to teach them, you know, to go into all the nations and make disciples. I, you know, it, it was something along those lines of what I understood to be the Great Commission. And uh, that was the short answer. And his answer was classic. He just smiled at me and said, that's, that's just tremendous, brother. But that's not what Jesus said. And uh, I said, oh, okay, okay. Well, since, he says, well, since you think the work is to make disciples, why don't you just tell me three things? Jesus says, unless you do these three things, you can't be my disciple. <laughs> Hear me, do me, do where are you? Got some work to do. I it's the useless stuff in my head, right? And I'm thinking, oh, so I gave him like oh, something along the lines of like, pray, read your Bible and share my faith and he's like he just doesn't flinch that's just tremendous brother that's just tremendous <laughs> but that's not what jesus said <sighs> he says now i know what the scripture says should i believe you or should i believe what jesus says in the scripture and i'm kind of like well you you probably ought to stick with what jesus says in the scripture uh he says, okay, okay. He says, just one last thing. I'll do that. One last question. If you think the work is to make disciples, and yet you can't tell me the requirements for being a disciple, who are you making disciples of? I was trying to see if I could fit under the armchair at this point. Uh, but it cut to the heart for me that day. And since that day, I've had that verse burned into my head. Right? And you can read it. This is the work of God. The work, singular, that God requires of you is to believe in the one whom he sent. And so when people ask me, hey, what did Jesus say the work that God wants from us is? I can say, oh, it's, it's a, he just wants us to believe in the one who God sent, which I believe to be Jesus. Now, 
I want to read through this passage because I think we miss a layer so far below what's actually happening on the surface of when Jesus is talking here and that I've missed because I think we often read the Scripture and we just, I don't know, it's, it's daunting, it's intimidating, so we read it and we just kind of like, we just keep going. Uh, or we've heard it before and when we say uh, what Boog has talked about before, it's so familiar it actually becomes unfamiliar. Uh, so let's read through it and then I'll just make some comments and... Here we go. When they found him on the other side of the lake, this is now, just to give some context, he just fed 5,000 men and then plus women and children, right? And then he went up onto the hill to pray and then his disciples took off in the boats and then he comes walking across the water to them, you know, this whole story. And then they're on the other side finally. They found him on the other side, this whole thousands of people church, like all of, what is it, like Saddleback or Mariners, like a huge mega church has been like following Jesus around, right? And they get there, and they ask him, when did, when did you get here? Because they didn't see him leave with the other disciples. They didn't realize he walked across the water. That's crazy. Uh, and Je- Jesus says this, Ah, very truly I tell you, you're, you're looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Uh, which is basically like saying, I'm like your mobile in and out truck. Right? Like, like, you, you got some good food, and you're looking for more food. Uh, he says, don't work, don't travel all this way, don't search me out just for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man, that's his favorite term for himself, will give you. For on, God, for on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Uh, we might say maybe when, when the Holy Spirit descended like a dove, that maybe that was the this, this seal of approval. But then they asked him, what must we do Jesus, what do we have to do to do the things that God would really be excited about? What must we do to perform the works God requires of us? And it's a plural word there, works, right? This is one of the few times when Jesus just answers a question straight up in the Bible. Have you ever, if you've read the Bible, you know Jesus usually asks a question in return. Uh, Usually he's like, you're not even asking the right question. Uh, But he dodges it and changes it and But in this one, he's like, well, you're close to asking the right question, but then he solidifies it into one thing. Oh, uh, Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. Uh, Now we just, if you have accepted Jesus, you've knelt next to the green couch and prayed to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you would read that verse and keep going, right? Because that's how we understand what it means to believe in Jesus is just to Uh, receive him as your Lord and Savior. Uh, So they asked him, well, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Remember, this is the people that just ate all this food miraculously, right? Could you give us a sign, (laughs) right? And he's like, you're not even looking at me because of what? The signs that I performed, but oh, he's our, our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat you know like what will you do Jesus said I truly tell you it wasn't it was not Moses that's given you the bread from heaven but it's my father who gives the true bread from heaven for the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world Uh, and we'll just we'll stop there but the work that, that the work that Jesus is talking about is the singular thing called belief and uh, 
when we talk about work, that's not really what we're talking about, is it? When you and I meet for the first time and you say, hey, what do you do? Or what do you do? That's the common, it's going to be in the top three questions that we're going to talk about first. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about wells and winning souls. That was one of my points. Uh, in, in, essentially, in evangelical Christianity, which is what I grew up in, winning souls uh, is sort of an older phrase, but it's to bring a non-believing person to a place where they would pray to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Uh, and this is as, about as noble of a work that you could do in our, in our religious tradition. Would you agree? Uh, winning souls. So when you meet just about any, anyone, inevitably that question comes up. Uh, what kind of work do you do? Or the other person asks you, what kind of work do you do? And I say, uh, I'm a pastor. I'm, um, I'm a spiritual counselor. I work on surfing. Um, working on some quantum theory stuff right now that I don't understand. And uh, they could say, oh, really? Uh, you know, I, I'm working with the poor. Uh, I'm digging wells in third world countries. And... Uh, you know, for, where people don't even have clean drinking water. And this year already I've given, I've helped through my work to give 500,000 people clean drinking water who didn't previously have clean access, you know, access to clean water. And I said, oh, well, well, I'm working with people's souls, you know. You know, helping them to find meaning in their life and e eternal security. And, uh, but then someone else comes along and says, well, I've been discipling about 1,000 people this year. I'm like, oh, I've only been discipling like two or three. See, the problem with this is, is when we think about our work in this way and we talk about our work, the greater my work is and the greater my ability to explain my work, really, I increase more in compared to you. Like, I'm actually better than you because I do this work and you only do that work, right? Oh, you're, you provided clean drinking water for 500,000 people? Like, I sold 62 shirts at this store over here where I work retail, um, right? And you're like wrestling with the fact like, are we enslaving young children in Cambodia to make these shirts? And, but I have to sell these shirts to buy, right? And it's like, so we're co comparing our work to each other. And there's a problem with that. And, and that's why I think like, there's, we end up, when we view work that way, we end up on this hamster wheel of achievement, okay? Trying to earn our place in the kingdom of God. Trying to earn God's favor, trying to earn God's approval, or trying to earn God's love, or maybe just possibly trying to earn uh, perhaps our parents' approval, favor, or love, or our friends, or our peers, or our kids. Uh, so in this story, as friends, these people come along and they, they say, you know, what kind of work would God really be pleased with? And see, back then they tended to compare their work to each other. Luckily, we've evolved since then. And we, we can't really relate to what it would be like to try and earn God's favor or the approval of men. Uh, we're way past that. And for them, really, the reason why it's plural, I would say, is because for the Jewish people of Jesus' day, there were 613 mitzvot, commandments in the Torah that they were working to follow. 613. They're like, Jesus, what, what works must we do? And he's saying, oh, it's just this one thing. 
so that you would believe. Well, let's go back to that last slide there. Your work isn't contingent on the job you have and whether you're good at it or not. Your work is to believe in Jesus. See, I think Jesus is doing something really subversive again in these chapters in John. He's showing them that it's not about the work that you do to earn food. It's actually don't do that work. Don't work for the kind of food that spoils. And now this is really hard for my brain to wrap around because you're like, well, am I just supposed to like quit my job and stop eating? No. No. But he's saying there's a deeper work in there. Uh, your work is to believe in Jesus. Jesus is saying, like in this uh, next slide here, he said the, he's basically saying the food's already here. Food's all around you. The food's here. Basically, Jesus <laughs> sends his disciples. He stops at this well with this woman. You know this story. And he sends his disciples into town to get a sandwich. And he rests because he's tired. Jesus is tired. And they come back and, and they're like, uh, here, eat something. And he says, but I said to them, but he said to them, I have food to eat that you don't know about. And they're like, has Jesus been like, like hoarding food and not telling us? Like, what's going on? So the disciples said to one another, has anyone brought him something to eat? And he said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. What? What? So they're following Jesus. They ate the bread and had their fill. He says, you're, look, you're working for the wrong kind of bread. You're working for the... In our passage, he's saying... I am the food. I am the food. Go to the next slide here. Back in 33, the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. And they said to him, sir, give us this bread always. <laughs> Jesus said to them, I am the bread. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Now, I'd, I'd just be... Uh, we don't really believe that. I mean, we don't, we don't, we don't really believe that, right? Like, you're going to go eat, and I'm going to go drink, and we're going to keep doing this thing where we put food and water in our bodies because that's how we're made. But he seems to be talking about something far deeper than what we realize. Hey, the, the world is ordered differently than you think. In my mind, the, the world is ordered in such a way where I work, I get food, and I get water, and I put it into my body, and I keep living. That's how the world is ordered. And Jesus is saying, mm, it might be different than what you think. <laughs> Somehow there's a work, a work that isn't contingent on your educational background, on your ability to produce, to lead, to win, to manage, to direct. This work has something to do with how we fundamentally understand the world. See, you think the world is ordered in a particular way. Would you agree? And I'm here to let... Jesus is basically saying, I'm here to let you know you're barely scratching the surface. And that's true in, in more ways than one, right? We're just barely scratching the surface of this planet. Right? You know how like when you sit in the sandbox and you're a kid, you remember this? And you're like, let's dig to China. <laughs> Am I the only one? We're going to dig to China. 
You spend like the whole recess digging, 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 and like you hit like the plastic barrier bottom of the thing, and it's like you're digging, digging, digging to China. Some of those people grew up and devoted their lives to digging to China, right? Like we are going to come up with the best tools and instruments and find the deepest cavern, and we're going to send those drills and whatnot into the deepest caverns and get as far down as we can go. Like that's the... That's the adventurous spirit of humankind that wants to explore. Just so you know, they've made it estimates between 0.1 and 0.5% of the way to the middle. Between 0.1 and 0.5% of the way to the middle. And yet we have all these diagrams of what our earth looks like in the middle. There's the core and there's all, nobody knows. Nobody's ever seen it or gotten there. There's just all these theories and speculations, right? We haven't even scratched the surface of this planet, and yet we're so sure we know exactly how it works. And Jesus comes along, the one who spoke it into creation, and says, let me just, let me just offer you an idea that maybe it doesn't work the way you think it does. Maybe your life could be ordered in a different way than the way you're living it currently. Maybe there's a work that you could give yourself to that isn't just about getting more food into your body, but about believing in a particular way. And he says, I'm the bread of life. Work for that food. And I would submit to you that we spend very little time on that work. We spent, I mean, I've spent how many years in school and education to prepare myself for a work after school, right? You, you go all the way through school. That's, that, that work that you do in school, high school, elementary school, college, graduate school, that's not to help you learn how to believe that Jesus is who he says he is or that the world is ordered according to who he is. That's to help you get a job to put food in your body and water and to keep moving in that direction, right? We spend very little time on the work that Jesus says is to believe. We say, oh, I already prayed the prayer, I believe. Do you? How do you order your life? And then it says, we want a sign. Give us a sign, Jesus. <laughs> Our ancestors got the manna from heaven. They were out in the wilderness and they got this bread from God. Where were you guys just like yesterday? Out in the wilderness. What did I do? I gave you bread. There was some left over even. And now you... He's like, you're not getting a sign. You don't get the sign, and I'm not here to play your game of signs. Okay? And in one passage, I like this, in Matthew 16.4, to the religious leaders, the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they say, show us a sign so that we know what you're doing is legit basically. And he says, it's, it's a wicked and perverse generation or adulterous generation that asks for a sign. <laughs> he says this to the religious leaders, like all the pastors and priests. He's like, wicked and adulterous, perverse people ask for signs. You'll get no sign except the sign of Jonah. And what's the sign of Jonah? Three days dead and buried in a whale, right? And then spit up, resurrected on land. Here's what it's going to look like. It's going to be lost I'm going to be buried. I'm going to be dead. It's going to be over. It's the way of descent. It's a downward way. It's, 
It's the suffering, it's the losing, it's the we lost all hope, it didn't work. But then there's resurrection. And you actually see it all throughout the scripture and what Jesus is doing, this death and resurrection. While you've been listening to me, your cells have been dying and dying and dying, and yet there's been this resurrection as new cells have been created, coded with your DNA. It's, your life is new right now. You're a completely different person than you were seven years ago, cellularly. You get a, an opportunity to, today is resurrection. Today is new. Right now is new. I mean, you think about this scene. Jesus, ta- they're in the wilderness. He feeds them in the wilderness. He's saying, That's, it doesn't matter what I do. The signs aren't going to do it, and I'm not going by that game anymore. I'm actually going to die to that whole system. Because what you want to do is make me king. What you want me to do is bring in an army, carpet bomb the Romans. That's what you want. That's not what I'm here to do. I'm actually going to go into the belly of it all and die. And then there's going to be resurrection and new life. I'm not going, it's not going to look the way you want it to, or the way you think it should look. And so, at this point, you, you know, as, we're, as we're closing, you say, well, it's just to believe. That's great, John. What does that even mean? What does it mean to believe? Uh, so I'm going to give you two little things about belief. Soren Kierkegaard, he's a philosopher. On believing, he says... He says this, that belief is required from the follower of Jesus. The belief that is required from the follower of Jesus is not an intellectual affair at all, but a matter of action. And trying to prove or disprove an action would be meaningless, he says. Following Jesus is a way of living. Even the acceptance of it is a decision, a commitment of the will, an instance of doing or becoming, not of contemplating. And Dallas Willard backs this up. He says, so for many of us, we fall for this magical mental ascent, is what he calls it. Magical moment of mental ascent when it comes to our beliefs. Like saying out loud that you agree with a particular doctrine or spiritual statement like Jesus is Lord. It doesn't mean you actually believe it in in terms of how you live your life. Right? Oh, I agree with that. Really? Show me. Think about gravity. Y'all believe in gravity? It's that simple. Uh, Now, Gravity. You order your life around gravity. It is unconscious in terms of your belief structure. Right? Now, if I was standing up on the cliff over here at Dana Point Headlands, it would be a different thing if I was like, y'all believe in gravity? I don't. You know, and then it's just down to my death. So, gravity, you believe in. You say, well, that's proof. You can prove that. Sure? Have they been able to prove gravity yet? Anybody? Anybody? 
No, they don't know where it comes from or how it works or what. They just know that it's there. It's simply there. They haven't found the graviton. They're looking for it. They're trying to understand it. There's all sorts of physics that's working on it. But ultimately, yeah, it's just this thing. It, it affects all of us. You've been swimming in it. Gravity. It's one thing to say I believe in gravity and then walk off a 10-story building, right? But you said you believed in gravity. Oh, I forgot. Oh, yeah, there's gravity. <laughs> so how you order your life matters. So working on your belief in what Jesus is saying and doing about how the world is ordered matters. So Rocky's into the Pacific. Rocky's into the Pacific, and then we're going to close up pretty quick after that. Promise. Uh, my friend Doug, who I had that conversation with uh, years ago in the carriage house, he passed away this year. Uh, it was a big loss for me and for many others, but he would say this. He'd say, let's talk about moving the Colorado Rockies into the Pacific. Which is easier to, which is easier to say to that mountain to move itself into the Pacific or to transform the human heart? Which is easier? Matthew 11, 22, 23, I think we have a slide. Jesus answered them, Have faith in God. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. We don't really believe those words that he says there. I mean, he goes on to say this. He says, you believe for some miracle that you're going to live forever. You'd say this to me. You believe that. All you have to do is receive Jesus and you'll live forever. You believe that. But do you actually believe that you and your buddy through the power of prayer and the power of Jesus could move the Rockies into the Pacific? He says the only limitation in following Jesus is that you just don't believe. You don't believe him. He said, Doug said this, he said once people asked him who would take over his work after he's gone. He, he did a lot of work with leaders around the world and he said, I hope no one does. <laughs> he said, most of the work I did, I did in the flesh. Some of it I did in the spirit, in the work of belief. He says, that's the thing. You know, we, we discount people because we compare the work. So whether you wash windows for a living or you dig wells for a living, you can do the work of God. Right? You can fold t-shirts and do the work of God. You can also direct and manage multinational corporations and do the work of God, which is to believe the world is ordered in a particular way. Doug says this, if I had to... If I had to live my life over again, I'd do one thing differently. I'd believe God more. I'd believe Him more. So what does it mean to believe in Jesus? I just came up with some stuff. And here's, love your enemies. These are all in the Scripture. Love your enemies. Forgiving, forgive one another. That you are blessed. That God desires mercy and not sacrifice. That Jesus wants you to have a life 
and have it to the full now to give to everyone who begs from you. I don't like that one sometimes. We love the way that we would love the way that Jesus loves. New commandment that I give you. That's the kind of love that goes into the earth and dies, but then is resurrected. Acts of compassion and restoration will go on, 1 Corinthians 15. Be steadfast, therefore, knowing that your work for the Lord is not in vain. It's better to give than to receive. There is no more reason to fear. There is no condemnation. That the poor and the outcasts are welcome at the party. Amen? And don't judge others. There's, I, the list goes on and on and on about the way the world is ordered for Jesus, but I would argue that we, we don't believe like that. But we, we can work on that. We can work on that. Amen? We get to work on that. To believe in in Jesus is to believe on Jesus, who Jesus is as the revelation of God to humanity, the incarnation. He's showing us what it's like to be an image bearer, that it's a good thing to be human. He is the way of self-sacrificial love. He is the way himself. So you may be working retail, you may own a business, you may work construction, you may work in fashion, but none of that will have any bearing on your life if it is not undergirded by that true work of belief. You follow me? The work you do doesn't earn your spot with Jesus, nor does it disqualify you either. Remember how I said a few weeks ago that we erroneously divide the world up into spiritual work and secular work? No. The whole, we would say that God is everywhere. The whole thing is swimming in spirituality. The whole thing is swimming in the presence of the divine. Don't bifurcate or divide your work or your life into the spiritual stuff well i just i just build houses you build houses that's beautiful sacred holy work great you know why because it's undergirded with that belief that the world is ordered in a particular way that's the work that's the work you think my job is the spiritual job I, let me tell you there's plenty of pastor, pastors out there who don't believe. The Apostle Paul says this, something Paul said at the end here. The kingdom of God, this way of living, this reality that's opened up right in the midst of this one is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen. I love that. So, no matter what you do for bread by the sweat of your face, I want you to know that Jesus is interested what he's interested in is in your heart and your belief in him and how that plays out. You may have gone to school for 16 years to do your sweaty work. I did. <laughs> but how long have you worked on the work Jesus wants from you? Let's get to work today, and you can do that right now sitting in your chair. You can simply begin to rethink your life, repent, metanoia, change your thinking about how the world is ordered that it is better to give than to receive that we ought to show compassion that we ought to love one another amen it's to begin to believe the world actually is ordered the way that jesus said that it was and that it is let's pray lord jesus we have some rethinking to do. Me especially. 
Lord, I, I just remember you, uh, just now remember you met a guy that said, I do believe, just help my unbelief. And uh, Lord, I think that's the story for many of us here. I believe, but I, I have this unbelief, I have this doubt, I have this other stuff that gets in the way, these mental blocks. I keep thinking it's about this, but you seem to be insisting it's about something far far deeper than I could have imagined. So Lord, I pray you uh, release people from this endless hamster wheel of striving through their achievements and their work, through the sweat of their face, to get bread that will simply perish. And would you give them the eyes to see and the ears to hear and the, the change of heart and transformation of mind to begin to see their work as believing that the world is the way that you say it is and that you are King of Kings, and that you are Lord of Lords, and that there's a world opening up right here in the midst of this one that is full of life and a fullness of life, your kind of life. We love you, Jesus, and pray these things in your powerful name. Amen. I was thinking about um, was I made a decision at a younger age also um, to believe you know, and um, I think it was a, quite a bit later that I made a decision to actively follow. And um, for me, that was a game changer to work on um, what actions I could take to develop a relationship with Christ. And um, for me, it was hard to say like, whoa, this this feels like it should be more complex, right? It's like a big deal. We're getting all this grace and all this love, but it's so simple. And once I, once I kind of came into that place, uh, it was amazing for me. And that was through um, daily prayer when I didn't feel like it, um, building a relationship by uh, saying things that I maybe wouldn't say to other people, to God. Um, I, I know people who throw their keys under their bed so that in the morning, before they go to work, they have to get on their knees before God. And um, for me, I would lock myself in the bathroom because I have young kids, <laughs> and I would hide away. And it was something interesting when we were praying for people this week um, with, the, with the church staff. Um, Boog had asked us to take a posture of um, what, if, what if the Lord were here right now? What posture would you take? And um, I'll be honest, I don't take that posture around people. I have walls that I've built um, for people. I'm not always willing to be vulnerable. But what's cool is I've been able to let all of that go before my Lord and my posture, even though I didn't do it in the office, I'm telling on myself, <laughs> would be on my knees with my face to the ground. And that is not something that I would do um, if I hadn't built this trusting relationship with my God. Um, and it's not something I would probably do with people. So it's okay to be yourself, to be all in before your Lord, even if you're not there yet with the people that are closest to you. And um, I'm just going to close this in prayer. Heavenly Father, um, we've heard it this morning, Lord, less of us, more of you. I just pray that um, people are able to seek you uh, and to let you in 
to places uh, that might be uncomfortable so that they can experience this, this great, great fullness that you provide us. In Jesus' name, amen.